you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Hello there, this is Janine Garner, and I am the host of Unleashing Brilliance. Welcome to a brand new episode, and today I'm introducing you to the incredible James Cooper. Um, It's awesome how you meet people during your work, and one of the wonderful benefits and opportunities that has existed in this global lockdown is the opportunity to connect and meet people across the uh, digital world, people that you wouldn't normally meet. And James Cooper is one of those people. James Cooper grew up uh, in the living in under the spotlight uh, within a family of entertainers. His father is Hal Cooper, the legendary US TV director of shows such as I Dream of Jeannie and The Brady Bunch. His mother was an actress. And James pretty much grew up on the set watching the creation of movies, of TV shows, and learning the craft firsthand. James now helps business owners thought leaders and executives understand the art of connection and storytelling to ultimately build their own businesses. What I love about James' story is how he actually really unleashed his own brilliance, that moment when he finally stepped into his own spotlight and realized his ability to use all his skills garnered over the years to help other people share their stories. As he says, it's important that you learn to trust yourself, that you build the confidence in owning your voice and understanding that every single one of us has a valuable and unique fingerprint of a story that when you share it, it builds that authenticity, that realism, that demand for what it is that you do. And as he challenges us all to do, he challenges us to own our story um, as opposed to letting somebody else create it. Uh, Please enjoy this episode of Unleashing Brilliance, where we talk and hear stories from James's childhood through his uh, teenage years, through to him unleashing his brilliance and the passion that he has for the work that he does now and why for him it is the most important thing that we all have at our fingertips in terms of leaving our own individual legacy on the planet. Please enjoy. Well, hello, Unleashing Brilliance podcast listeners. Um, Those of you that know me well know that I have an absolute passion around connecting with people and uncovering their stories. And I also love the fact that people come into my world and there's just a moment where I go, I need to get to know this person. And that's who I'm bringing you today. Um, I'm super excited to introduce you to my new friend, uh, James Cooper. James, say hi to our audience. Hi, everybody. Hello, brilliant people. <laughs> you can probably sense that there's a couple of different accents going on here. So I am currently speaking to James from Sydney. And James, where are you? 
I am in Los Angeles, California. There you go. So we, yep. this is one of the beautiful things of the world that we're living in right now, where we're connecting globally across global boundaries via tech platforms. We've never actually met each other in person, but we've already been doing some great work together. So you can connect virtually, can't you, James? You absolutely can. There's so much now that you can do virtually. I think last year with the uh, with the lockdowns and things, people learned how to communicate and teach and do everything so much more via Zoom and technology is amazing. It is. It gives us huge opportunities. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of quick fire questions, uh, more so that people can get a feel of, of who you are. So let's start with a simple one. Are you a coffee or a tea drinker or something else? I'm a coffee drinker. Yeah. Uh, uh, I didn't I drink coffee until I had kids. And uh, once I had kids, <laughs> I needed that coffee. <laughs> now, being a bit of a coffee snob as we are in Australia, because we really struggle when we come to America with coffee. Um, do you have a favorite coffee? Uh, I just like the drip coffee out of my, uh, <laughs> I'm very basic. Um, I, I cut off Starbucks, not because uh, of any particular reason other than uh, I, I basically told, uh, I, I basically said that I wasn't going to drink it anymore. So it's like, <laughs> there's no reason to spend uh, $6, uh, you know, twice a day on at Starbucks. No. Well, you're <laughs> going to be very easy when you come to Sydney then for me to look, look uh, after you with a cup of coffee. Um, what was your first job? Can you remember what your very first job was? Ooh, my first job was uh, working as an office assistant at a film studio that my dad was directing. My father was a television director. So I worked as a, I worked in the office. That was my first uh, job. I think I was 13 years old. Were you in charge of the fax machine or something when you were that uh, age? I just yeah. basically had to deliver papers from one floor <laughs> to another. It was big, as, as minimal things, uh, less responsibility they could give me. I love it. It's, it's always really fascinating when you find out where people started. And uh, I can still remember my first job. I was a, uh, I used to deliver newspapers and I was so petrified. I was 13 years old. I was so petrified. We used to have our post boxes were actually in the door. And in Australia, the post box is in the fence at the end of the driveway. So in England, you had to work, walk down the driveway to the front door to put the newspaper through the door. And dogs absolutely scared the bejesus out of me. And um, I was so bad at that job that my mom had to come and help me deliver the newspapers. <laughs> How things have changed. Um, so do you have, uh, you know, there's so many ways in which we can learn right now, books, TED Talks, podcasts, etc. cetera. Um, is there one particular book or TED Talk or podcast that you have that's come into your world that's changed you? And what is that and why? Um, wow. There are so many things. I love absorbing. Uh, I spend way too much time on YouTube, um, but mostly, you know, to to learn and, and to learn from other influencers and creators. I remember I saw a TED Talk from Simon Sinek where he first taught the golden circle. And I thought that was very eye-opening for me because it kind of confirmed what I always believed about storytelling, which is the desire and the passion, which is all about the why. And so when he, he first wrote his book, Start With Why, and I saw his TED Talk on the golden circle, which talks about that concept in business and marketing, why starting with why is so important and working your way out 
rather than in talking about what you do uh, and how you do it and then why. He always talks about starting with why, then how, then what. And I thought that was very, uh, I was a really cool uh, model that I was fascinated about. And the simplicity in which he mm-hmm. shared that, right, is is phenomenal. Yeah. So you you touched on there around the fact that you were always researching, watching what is going on in the space of influencers, storytelling, et cetera. Can you share with our audience what is it that you do now? Yeah, I am. Uh, I would consider myself to be a story st- storytelling expert. Um, I help coaches and consultants. Um, share their brand's story, mostly through video. Although the foundation of everything that I teach is based in storytelling and storytelling is cross-platform. It can be, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's in text, in blogs, in emails, if it's in podcasts and audio form, or if it's in video. Um, Even though most of my work is done helping people with their videos, um, if we don't have the messaging dialed in and the story dialed in, then it doesn't matter what platform, it's not going to create engagement and get you the clients that you need. Mm. So I'm curious, where did this all start? So how did how did your childhood, uh, James, um, or the community in which you grew up, how did those things shape who you've become? Yeah. Um, I love that. I love the uh, the question. I I grew up in an entertainment household. My father was a television director uh, who had been in entertainment since he was six years old. Uh, he had been dancing on Broadway when he was seven years old. He was a tap dancer and uh, and a pretty good one at that. And then this is before television. He got into radio and then live radio where he was doing live radio broadcasts. And then that led him to eventually uh, go into television which brought him to the West Coast, um, and he did television for his whole life. Um, directed shows like Gilligan's Island, The Brady Bunch, All in the Family, um, Maud. I mean, just so many shows that we grew up with in sitcom. And I grew up on a soundstage, literally. I was picked up from school um, in in grade school as early as I can remember and uh, picked up by an assistant who uh, – it's funny that some of these assistants that used to pick me up from – from grade school, uh, went on to be, uh, big writers and directors and producers. Um, they started at the bottom, you know, um, and then worked their way up. Uh, but I would, I was taken, picked up, uh, picked up and taken to the set and then would, uh, go and sit in the booth where my dad was directing. And he was usually on the floor directing with the actors, but I could see him on the monitors and I would, I would be fascinated and watch him direct. And that led to my fascination with cinema and filmmaking. And so it was really my father that, who I admired and wanted to be. There are so many kids that want to be one of their parents. And, and I, I just thought that the, being a director was the coolest job that you could have to be the, the maestro, the orchestrator of everything that happened on the movie set. And so my dad was always encouraging. And anytime I had any questions about why the lighting was the way it was or why the, um, you know, why the cameraman moved on that line, you know, uh, how my dad choreographed the whole scene and, um, some things he would tell me. And then some things he would say, well, that's Bob. He's the camera guy. Go, go ask him where that's, you know, that's the lighting uh, designer. Go ask him that question. And he kind of made me go find the answers for myself which really kind of helped me 
just learn. I never went to film school, but I felt like I got an on, you know, a living uh, film school education just growing up and being around it. And I just found my a way to always be around the craft. And most of the jobs I've ever had um, working were working in film and television. I, whether it was an office boy or um, uh, you know an a, a assistant to the assistant director or working in casting or uh, a cameraman and working my way up. And, and I started uh, doing my own student films when I was in school. And so that's just kind of how I got into it. But it was really influenced from my father. My father was a master storyteller and he would always tell stories around the dinner table. And I just loved listening to him talk. That's really where the influence began. Did yeah. he know that you had that interest? No, he tried to convince me to, to to get convince me out of it. He's like, "Can't you do something easier, like sell ties or something?" Like <laughs> he didn't want he didn't want that life for me unless I really wanted it. And I think it was yeah. always testing me. But you know, the flip side of that, he when I was six years old, he got me my very first camera, my very first film camera. Video wasn't uh, a thing yet. We didn't have video; we had film only. So he got me my very first film film camera when I was five years old. And he encouraged me to like, just have fun. That was the thing. It's like, have fun with this. And so I made all these little movies when I was a kid with my toys and action figures. And um, everywhere I went, I had my camera uh, and I had a roll of tape because I always used to like taping my camera to things that could move. So I, I made my own little, like they call them a dolly. It's like a camera that has wheels. I used to make my own dollies. I used to tape my camera to my skateboard and I taped it to the side mirror of our car and record as we were driving down the street. I used to, the one time I taped it to our dog, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was obsessed with motion in motion pictures. And so, uh, yeah, that was, yeah. Taping to the dog. I didn't, I didn't, uh, uh, it wasn't a pleasant conversation with my mother, uh, but, uh, but it was, it was fun. I, I really liked, um, I love doing it. Um, I love yeah. it. It's it's almost like you were you were leading the field in GoPros. You were like had the idea about a GoPro right. way before. <laughs> well before the GoPros came out. Way yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, you've shared the story before around the first time you you showed your dad a movie that you'd made. Yeah. And I think it was it for his birthday or something. Could you, it was. Could you it share was. that story and, yeah. and why yeah. it meant so much? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think as a young, as a young boy, I always, I loved making movies, but they were private. And I think the reason when I look back, I think one of the reasons why they were so private is because I, I wanted to be as good as my dad. And I didn't think that I was, and I didn't even think that I ever could be. Cause I just, you know, when you're when you're uh, when you're that age, you know your dad is God. I mean, it's like just you know, and you can do no wrong. And just you know, when you idolize somebody like that, and my dad was a very humble guy. So I don't know why I thought that looking back, um, because my I mean, dad he, was, he did some pretty stark, good, like amazing work, didn't he? I don't know if you've actually did. shared. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he did a lot of sitcom. He worked with Norman Lear, who was a very famous mm -hmm. producer for most of his career. And, you know, shows like, you know, I Dream of Jeannie and, and The Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island. I mean, you know, a lot of those shows, you know, were you know, either when I was born or, or before I was born. But, um, you know, my dad was the, the man on the set, you know, surrounded by actors and writers and directors. He was the he was the guy. 
And so um, to live up to that uh, was something that was really hard for me to do. Um, in fact, when I was in high school, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to become a doctor or something. Like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> but, you know, it's something else. Let me do something else. And my mother, by the way, my mother was an actress. So I grew up in, in, in a, a household of, of entertainers. And so um, my dad was somebody who, who didn't make a big deal about his birthday. And, and he was somebody who gave gifts on his birthday rather than receive. He, he, he really almost refused to, to accept gifts on his birthday because he felt that a birthday is about celebrating your own life. And the best way to celebrate your life is to um, give to the people who make your life amazing. So he used to give gifts on his birthday. Um, but it was his 80th birthday and I wanted to do something really special. And so what I did was, um, I told my mom what I wanted to do. She thought it was a great idea. And, uh, I decided to interview all these different actors and writers and directors and producers and all these people that have worked with my dad for over 40 years, some of them. Um, and I interviewed them and, uh, it was my first documentary. And so, uh, you know, in Los Angeles, I flew to New York, I flew to San Francisco, and I basically found all these different actors who were more than willing to do it. And they shared some of the most amazing stories about my father, things that I never knew, you know, things that before I was born, um, and, and how they made him, how my dad influenced their lives. And I put it all together. Uh, I, you know, never made a documentary before, so I didn't really know what I was doing. I just did my best, but I put it together and it was just the family. We went upstairs to his office and my dad had no idea what he was going to about to get. And I handed him the remote and I was so nervous. My, I could feel the sweat dripping down my back. I was that nervous. And so, cause I never showed my dad anything that I had really created anything myself right, that, that I filmed. And I said, happy birthday, dad, here you go. And he took the remote and he pressed play. And I was watching my dad like a hawk as he's watching the screen and all these people just start sharing this amazing thing, all the amazing things about my father. And I could just see tears welling up in my dad's eyes. And it was a really pivotal moment in my life because he turned to me and he's like, how did you do this? And I just said, you know, from watching you and it was really that moment that, that made me think that I could do this. There's something to this filmmaking thing. I could actually be a filmmaker. I could actually do this and, and make a career out of this. Because if I could make my father feel that, um, then maybe there's something there. And that really was the first year that I started my business and started doing you know, corporate documentaries and films and videos for clients. Mm. So that was a, it was a really pivotal moment for me. And there's something just really beautiful there that you've, you've touched on that I think links to this mastery that you've got around storytelling. And it's that concept of how you make people feel. And I'm curious from your perspective, um, why is that so important in the corporate world? Um, you've said you do a lot of work, you know, working with thought leaders and business owners, et cetera, et cetera. What, what was it that made you take that, that belief around emotion and feeling and storytelling and put it into the work that you're doing there? Yeah, I think the bridge happened for me when I started working in commercial casting. 
um, and working in, in the commercial industry because um, commercials are, I've always loved commercials. Even as a, as a young boy, I used to record commercials when I was a kid and I used to watch the Clio Award, Awards. And those of you who don't know, the Clio Awards are like the Academy Awards for commercials. I, I'm probably one of the only uh, you know, nerd that used to like watch the Clio Awards that I've ever known. Um, <laughs> but I used to watch cause I used to watch, um, some of the best commercials of the year and who would win and why. And I was, I was, when I was working in the commercial industry, I, it was the first time that I understood marketing. It was the first time that I linked storytelling with business and marketing because all commercials are basically selling products and services and they have to do it in a way that moves people emotionally, that creates something that it's planting seeds or something, an idea that sticks in the viewer's mind so that when they see that product out in the marketplace, they go, oh yeah, they, they recall and they, they recall the emotion or the feeling. And sometimes it's commercials that make them laugh. Sometimes it makes them cry. Sometimes it just makes them feel something, but it's only through our emotion that really moves people. It's not the, it's not the words necessarily. It's certainly not the product itself. It's what the, it's what the meaning of, of, um, that, that comes across in the story. And, um, you know, nobody does this better than Apple that I've seen, uh, you know, in the last, uh, decade, they've just been a master of telling stories with emotion and sharing their highest values through their commercials. And so, um, people connect with people and so when we can put a face or an emotion to the messaging, whether that's your message or whether that's sharing somebody else's message or a client's story, people connect with people. And so that's why the hero of your story usually is a person um, that, that, that we can relate to. And um, that's what builds the trust and connection of the buyer when they connect with the person. So if you look at any commercials, it's usually the ones that have had the most impact. It's because of the person in the commercial and the story that they went through, even if that story is only 30 seconds long, um, that we really remember that commercial and we connect with it. And that's what builds that trust. So in this world of, of digital, of influencers, where everybody is online right now, yeah. either sharing memes, TikToks, reels, videos, blogs, whatever it is. What what are some of the things that that it could be even what's some of the advice that you're hearing people getting and as a result of them following that you're going please don't do that like what's the worst advice that people are getting or what's the worst things that you're seeing right now where that connection isn't happening. Yeah. Um I think the best, let's start with the best advice first. I think the best advice is to make sure that you share stories in your content. Um, it's the only thing that really gives context to what you're talking about. Um, again, looking at the why. If you don't give the why and give some context behind the, the content, um, you don't get the deeper connection to why this is important and you're less likely to get your viewers to buy into what it is that you're asking them to do, whether that's a call to action at the end or whether that's even just the, the content that you're teaching or training on. Um, I think the biggest challenge right now is that people don't know how to use story effectively when it comes to their videos. 
Um, and it's, it's funny because we are naturally born storytellers. That's, that is how we communicate as humans. We communicate through our stories. Um, you know, when you talk to somebody you haven't talked to in a long time, the first thing you say is like, what's been going on with you? I haven't, you know, tell me what's up. What, you know, how have you been? And the very first thing that they're going to share is a story because that's how we, how we transfer information. Or we call somebody because we're excited. We're like, oh my God, you're never going to guess what, what just happened to me. And we share a story. But when we try to do it in business, for some reason, we forget how to be human and how to communicate. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to talk. And it just becomes uh, awkward. So the, the, the worst advice that I've heard is, um, is to just put out as much content as you can. Like, you know, just, you know, do a video a day, do a live a day. And to do it, the bad advice is to do it without any semblance of strategy and to just throw out a million videos of how to do something. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of learning stuff. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's just exhausting sometimes to just like have another video that says, here's the three ways to do X, Y, Z. And I said Z again. Whenever I talk to you, I say Z. <laughs> I don't say Z when other people. But those of you in the US, I'll say Z. So it's like the three the street uh, tips to do X, Y, Z. And information by itself doesn't move people. It doesn't build trust. It doesn't build the connection that you need. Stories move people. And because, because again, we are connection creatures. And so... If you're going to do education-based content, please include a story of why these steps are so important. What are the consequences if they don't do it? What's a personal story that you used these steps and what did it give you? Or what did you, you shared these, these tips with a client and what did they get? Give some storytelling content to then give a deeper meaning to the education content. And I think that education content should only be about 50% of your content. The other half should be stories. It should be personal stories. It should be stories about your best clients and the results they're getting. It should be um, sharing what you value, what your, your vision is for your company, why you do what you do, where you came from. I mean, there's just a myriad of stories that you could tell that are both relevant to your audience's challenges and problems. And that will also resonate because they're authentic stories about you. And when you let people into your world, that's what really builds the trust and connection that you need to, 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 to get a client, to get the people to say, you know what, I'm a, I like this person. I, I want to connect with this person. I love it. And I'm sure those of you that, can, that are listening can hear the passion that James has for storytelling. If you could see him and the gesticulation around the power of storytelling <laughs> is, is just awesome. James, only because I know that you've got great IP around this, um, for our audience that are listening right now, because you reeled off there lots, some great tips around what should happen, what shouldn't happen and ideas. I know that you've got, um, you know, a wonderful content uh, framework around Hero um, yeah. that has been so useful for so many people I know. Can you just very quickly share what the H, the E, the R, and the O of Hero stands for so that the audience yeah. can go, oh, genius, and if you're listening in <laughs> on your desk with a pen and paper, grab it now. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I developed Hero as just an easy way to make sure that you get a variety of content uh, in your content strategy. Um, you know, again, you need to be able to be connecting with your ideal clients in different ways. And if it's all the same, again, it just looks all the same that what everybody else is doing. So um, Hero basically stands for this heart, education, results, and offer. And so the, the quick high level is um, heart content is connection-based content. It, it forces you to share um, you know, who you are, what you stand for, um, what you stand against, what frustrates you, what pisses you off, what um, makes you, you know, joyous, um, what are the things that you dream about, what are the things that you want for your clients, like all these things, but it's all connection-based. It's teaching people how to think differently rather than telling them what to do. So it's more about uh, understanding who you are and what you stand for than anything else. So that's heart. Education, this is what most people have as 100% of their content strategy. You do need to educate. You do need to add value. Um, but it should only be about 50% of your content strategy. So education is very basic. It's, it's just, you know, um, if, you, if you struggle with this problem, I'm going to share with you the three ways to solve it, you know, and then here are the steps. And then, you know, that's it. And so it's, that's the education um, pillar. And so, um, yeah, so that's education. R is results. It's great to share stories of people who you've gotten results for. How have you made an impact in the world and how have you made an impact with other people? So sharing stories of other clients and case studies and testimonials of people who have gotten results through you and through your models and training, those are great stories to tell. And so you can tell them, you can also just record your best clients or have your clients send you videos of um, you know work that they've that they a success that they've gotten through you because it's a lot easier for somebody else to talk about how great you are than you for you to talk about how great you are right so um, that's results sharing results and then O is offer you have to make an offer I mean I, I, there there are too many people out there that I, I've met and and learned from uh, or not learned from that I've I've worked with that um, they're doing so much content free content, free content, free content, and they never make an offer. You have to let people know that you're in business and you have to let people know what you have for sale. Um, now, this might be only once a week or you know, uh, every other week or whenever you decide to make your offer videos, but you need to have a video that stands alone as, you know, if you want to get this result, I'm going to share with you my program to help you get this result. Here's what you're going to get. Here's how it works. Here's how much it costs. You know, it's just, you need something to just share your offer, whether that's behind a gated page or it comes as a retargeting ad, you eventually have to uh, share your offer. So those are the four things, a uh, heart education results offer. I think the majority of your content, probably about 75, 80% of all your content is going to be the H and the E. It's going to be telling stories and teaching things to do to get results. Um, and then the other part is, uh, those testimonials and the offer, um, and and by doing um, by going through Hero every week, you know you do one or two H's, one or two E's, maybe do a, a, an R and then an O every single week, and you'll get a balanced uh, set of videos that are going out consistently, and it's not all the same. Yeah, love it, and just the the genius in that simplicity of because we've all got a natural 
area that we play in, I think. But the genius in that simplicity of uh, creating engaging content and sharing stories. I've got to ask you, because you're so passionate about connection and storytelling, and I might be putting you on the spot here to be racking through your brain cells. But (laughs) but what what is the one story that you have heard that really landed for you and changed something? You mean a story that somebody told me or a, a story? Or a story from your own experience, just when you talk about story and how powerful it is in building connection, um, what is the first thing that springs to mind, either of your own or someone else's that you just stays with you um, and that you share? Wow. Um, that's really good. I Because I... I, I hear stories so often and like I'm a big softy like I'll cry at a commercial that I see sometimes so it's like there's so many stories that that uh impact me emotionally um I think it's happened more since I've had kids because as a parent and as a father I relate to so many of these stories where they talk about your children and things like that um wow uh I, that is really hard for answer. I'm sorry. I'm trying to uh, rack my brain of a story because there's so many. I remember, um, I, it's, it's, I don't want to bum anybody out. I mean, I've, I've heard so many, I think recently what's most recent is, um, uh, my, one of my college roommates, uh, unfortunately, uh, passed from COVID this last week. And so what's, what's at the surface for me is we did a Zoom call. There were about 25 of us on the Zoom call who all went to uh, university with this uh, man. His name is Rob McKendles. He was one of the most talented uh, singers and dancers I've ever known. And um, he was my friend. And uh, I'm making a tribute video uh, of him right now and um, have asked everybody to send me stories. And so when we were on the Zoom call, we were having people share stories of Rob, of how, what, I I asked the question of the group. I said, um, if there was one thing about Rob that you'll always remember, what will it be? And people started sharing some of the most amazing stories of when they either first met the person, when they first met Rob, or when they saw him on stage singing, or, uh, you know, just personal funny stories of, uh, you know, at at a party, uh, college experiences. And we all got to see Rob again through everybody's eyes. And I thought like, we, we have to capture this, um, you know, cause his daughter is 16 now. And, um, this is all before she was born. And I think to, to one of the, one of the most important words for me is legacy. I think that's a really powerful word because what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And are you leaving the kind of legacy that you want? It's, you know, one of the questions I ask clients all the time, not only for my own curiosity, but also because it usually gets to a deeper story is if tomorrow was it, (laughs) if, if your ticket was punched tomorrow, um, what would be the message that is most important for you to pass on? If you're passing it on to your children and your children's children, because the, the truth is that your story is going to live on, but it's going to live on through other people. And so what is the story that you would want them to tell? What would you want them to remember about you? 
And we live in a fortunate time now where we are able to capture our stories in video so that they live on for who knows how long, forever, as long as people, you know, are watching it. And, uh, you know, I think of my kids who never really knew um, either of my parents because they both passed, you know, uh, pretty much before they were they were born. They were only like you know, two years old. And so um, my father and my mother, li- their story lives on through me and through what I share with my my kids. And so, um, you know, again, I don't want to I just want to get morbid about it. But it's important for you and it's important for your business. What kind of story do you want to tell? Because the truth is that if you're not telling your story, believe me, somebody else is telling your story and they may not be telling the story that you want told. So it's our personal responsibility to make a decision to tell our story so that it is captured for um, the people that we want it to, to, to share it with. I love, there's so much deliciousness and <laughs> brilliance in what you've just shared. And there's multiple questions I now want to ask you. Um, James, as, as a business owner yourself and yeah. as somebody that essentially uh, grew up, um, as you shared at the beginning, under the, under the shadow of an incredible, talented individual, um, when do you think the moment was when you stepped into your own brilliance and realized that, that there was stuff that you had to do? I love that. Uh, I think, I think that moment I mentioned when I said, I think I can do this. Um, Mm -hmm. I started trusting myself more, uh, before I would always like almost ask permission. Like, is it okay? Does this look okay? Does this sound okay? Like all that. I used to do that so much because I didn't trust myself. And I think once I made that video for my father and then I started making more, I started feeling more confident in my own voice, which was something that was honestly very hard for me to accept uh, because I doubted myself. I doubted my voice for so long. Um, and you know, now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I have no shame in saying my age now. Uh, I, I think that I've now earned my own right to trust myself and not, and know that my opinion and my story is valid and has worth. And it's a, a, it's a, it's been a journey for me to do that, but that's a journey that I take on. And it's something that I am so passionate about helping people find their own story and unpack their own story. Because I believe in my core that your story not only matters and that your story is the thing, the thing that is going to get you all the wealth and the clients that you ever want, because it's, it's like your fingerprint. Nobody has it. And because nobody has it, the rarity of it and the uniqueness of it is something that is going to always separate you from anybody else out there, no matter how many people are doing what you do, no matter how many people coach the same thing that you coach, there's nobody that has your story. And there are people, not only that, but the, the, the ideal clients that you are searching for are on a similar journey. They have, the, they have a similar uh, path that they are on 
And the reason they are your ideal tribe is no, is no coincidence. They are following in your story's footsteps and you're just a little farther down the road than where they are now. And that's why it's important to share your story because there's your story gives them hope and possibility that they can change and they can uh, grow and they can have what they want. Um, and sometimes your story is the one thing that's going to pull them away from the ledge of quitting and, and uh, give them the inspiration that they go, oh, wow, if they could do it, I could do it. Mm. And I love oh. that moment when that happens. I love that. And you've pretty much summed up for me there what what unleashing brilliance is from, from your perspective. You know, if I summarize what you've just said, you said it's, it's you've got to trust yourself. Um, how can you possibly unleash your own brilliance? When I talk about this, it's from the, the perspective of an individual, as a business owner, as as an executive, but also as a brand. How how can you actually unleash brilliance until you can trust what it is that you're creating in yourself. The second thing you said there was around the confidence of your own voice, um, which is easy to say, but so hard. And like you just said, it's taken you 48 yeah. years to get there. I'll <laughs> happily go on record. I'm 50 and it took me, it's taken me a good 50 years to go, this is me now, like it or not. And um, I love what you said there too around your story. Um, is actually your unique fingerprint and therefore it is incredibly valid and and once you trust yourself and you have the confidence in your in your voice to be able to share that fingerprint with the world is where the impact happens and and there was a a final piece of where you said um almost and these are my words own your story don't let other people create it for you yeah which is awesome so so here's, I've got two final questions. Yeah. If I could bring your dad online right now, mm. if he was sat here next to me listening to everything that you just shared, what would you like to say to him? Um, wow. I would probably first say uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for bringing me into this world and thank you for being my mentor and my support. Um, and, uh, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would ask him anything. I think I would just, um, I would just, I, I don't, I don't even know what I, what the conversation would be. It would probably be around movies. Cause that's what we talked about so much, you know, uh, you know, here, here, Dad. Here's the here are the, um, the the best movies that you've missed over the last uh, you know twelve fifteen years. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I I just uh, he was my mentor and my coach, and he was my friend, and uh, he lived an amazing life. He passed at ninety one. He lived a full full life, and uh, and yeah, I was just uh, it was it was uh, it was an honor to know him. He was a really really good man and a good guy. I love the fact that you're also taking everything that he did and the storytelling that he created and now using that gift through your own talent to unlock stories in other people, which is awesome. So I'm going to ask you your own question. Yeah. Uh, if tomorrow was it, 
Yeah. What legacy do you want to leave? Um, I think the legacy I would leave is to encourage people to not wait. Uh, perfection is a horrible thing. It's a perfectionism is, is just a, a thief of life and, and don't fall into the trap. There's no such thing as perfect. It's just, it doesn't exist. It's a self-imposed trap that uh, is mostly for a lot of people an excuse of not sharing their gifts because um, you think that the, the, the trap is that, you know, there's the illusion of, oh, I'm, I'm making it better, but all you're doing is stalling, sharing your gifts with the world. And so um, I, would, I would encourage people not to wait. And that would be the one thing that I would want to pass on um, because the only, nobody is an expert out of the gate, nobody. And for most of the clients that I work with and the people that I coach, um, it's, it's all about, um, uh, you know, how do I get better at this? And it's just, it's, I can give them some strategies, but the, the, the honest truth is you just got to do, you just got to do it. You know, it's like trying to read a book on how to ride a bike. I can, I can, you know, I can give you the steps, but you're the one who has to get on and pedal and you're going to fall and that's okay, but you're going to get back up. You're going to be okay. And you're going to get better next time. And that's the thing about video um, and storytelling. You have to tell stories that you get crickets and you learn what worked and what didn't work. And then you, uh, and the next time you tell the story, you get the laugh or you, you know, or you get people applauding standing ovation. You learn by doing. It's the only way. Um, it's, it's the one analogy I, I, I like is that um, comedians, which I think personally is the hardest job, one of the hardest jobs in the world to go in front of an audience and make them laugh, I think is incredible. But one of the things I've learned, because um, uh, I used to go to a lot of comedy and I had friends that were comedians, is they take the tape recorder to the front of the stage and hit record and then do their act. Because the only way they would learn is by listening back to the jokes they told and see what got laughs, what didn't get laughs, so they could adjust and make it better last next time. So, you know, it's just having the courage to be bad and to be okay with it and know that you're going to get better. So that's what I think I would, I try to impress upon my son is fail fast so you can learn. And there really is no failure. There's just learning. Um, so, uh, you know, fall, it's okay. <laughs> so James, how, for those people that might be listening right now and go, oh, I've got stories to tell. Uh, absolutely, I need to be using video to build my business. I've got to get more clients, but I'm absolutely petrified and I don't know how to go online. Um, how can people find you? What's the best way yeah. that they can reach out and ask you all those questions that they want me to ask, but we've run out of time with? How no can worries. They find you? Yeah, um, there's there's a couple ways. Well, one is James Cooper Films. You can find me at James Cooper Films on both Facebook and Instagram. That's where I spend most of my time at uh, Facebook and Instagram. And so it's just at James Cooper Films. Um, I also have a uh, a free Facebook community called Six Figure Storytellers, and you can either search Six Figure Storytellers in Facebook or you could just go to sixfigurestorytellers.com. And just join our free Facebook community. And the reason I love the Facebook community is because I go live there twice a week and we do uh, open Q&As on every live. But it's also a place where people can ask questions in the community and they can also um, 
post their videos and their stories for feedback. And you get feedback from me, you get feedback from the group. But again, it's it's the courage to put them out there. But you know, to 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 it's a it's a safe place where people are able to get better at being a storyteller by actually putting in either their copy or their video so they can get some honest feedback. James, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. We could talk. I can't wait till we either connect in your part of the world or in my part of the world and we can talk about storytelling in connection over a beer or two um in person would be awesome thank you so much for your generosity uh this podcast is jam-packed with ideas and i'll absolutely share in the notes how people can get in touch with you it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you for everything that you're doing to help other people share their stories of course my pleasure we hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.